Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Soccer Show Women's World Cup Daily. Their lack of funding was a frustrating mystery, but Jamaica have made World Cup history. The reggae girls are through to the round of 16, where there's only room for one team in yellow and green. Brazil are out, but France are through and gave us a nine-goal thriller. Merci beaucoup. There was plenty of drama in Group G as South Africa fought off Italy and Sweden have set up their big American date by defeating Argentina and sealing their fate. My name's Ryan Bailey. Joining me today, as always, our friend who was singing Manchester United tunes just before we came on air, Taylor Rockwell. Howdy doody. Just before we came on air, but also all the time. That is my standard setting. I'm singing Manchester United tunes. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, don't do it again. It puts me off my flow. OK, <laughs> what is it? Is it the atonal uh, nature of it? Is it the off key nature of it? Is it all the above? Uh, you've got the voice of an angel, Taylor. You know that. I know that. It's more of a subject matter. Oh, that's very kind of you and also a lie. <laughs> Joining us today, Taylor, we have our friend Joe Lowry. Joe Lowry, how are you doing, sir? Ryan, I'm doing great. All the better for hearing your intro. They are consistently excellent. This one was one of my favorites in quite some time. We got some different languages in there. We got some good rhymes. I'd not even considered the color scheme clashes between mm. Jamaica and Brazil. You're right. I guess that was somewhere written down by Johnny Infantino that we can only have one team that wears this set emerged the round of 16. I, I think you're onto something. That's right. It's a FIFA bylaw. I just uh, managed to highlight it in the intro, Joe. But thank you for pointing it out. Uh, Graham Ruffin with us. Graham, uh, how are you doing today, buddy? Not bad, Ryan Billy. My family have returned, buddy. <laughs> Why did I say it like that? I don't know. Um, my family are back, so vegetables and, and fruit and like fiber and all that good stuff is back in my system. I had oh, a, no. a square meal for the first time in a long time last night. Are we going to see uh, a, dri- a, do- a drop in energy now you haven't been brushing your teeth with Gatorade? <laughs> I'm still doing that. I, okay, I did good. that anyway, but even before the start of this tournament. <laughs> yeah, Dominic from Domino's, he's been turfed out this morning. He's on the street, unfortunately, so I'll have to get him back around Was for it? the uh, knockout rounds. I do picture a Love Actually-esque scene of the Dom- Domino's delivery guy with like cue cards standing in your lawn, missing you, Graham Ruffin, <laughs> and wanting to watch Women's World Cup while eating donuts in the morning. Yeah, boombox on the shoulders, <laughs> yep, playing exactly. whatever the Domino's commercial song is right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If only there was someone else in Glasgow who had an interest in unhealthy fried food where Dominic could go over the next few weeks. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, Mm. you'll struggle to find someone else to bunk up with. (laughs) You may do indeed. Uh, Plenty to talk about, of course, in Women's World Cup Daily today. Uh, Before we get there, patreon.com slash Total Soccer Show if you want our bonus content. We're doing lots of bonus episodes around the Women's World Cup, around other things as well. There's videos, there's a Discord where we've got all the cool kids hanging out. Please come and join us and support our show if you are that way inclined 
Taylor, before we get there, I've just noticed something just as we were recording from the men's game. Gigi Buffon has retired mm-hmm. at the age of 45 years old. Gigi Buffon, the same one I'd forgotten, was still playing at Parma yep. last season. Incredible stuff. Yeah, it, it's 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 a sad world to not have Gigi Buffon uh, playing anymore. But I also kind of forgot that he was still playing. So I guess not that <laughs> so not sad. that sad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he still looks magnificent as well. Of course he does. Yeah, and he always will. will. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's going to look that way for another 40 years at least. God bless what? him. Is this bizarre world where Ryan says nice things about Italians? I'm yeah, I'm confused. not sure what's going on, but I don't think I like it. It's kind of unsettling, Ryan. Yeah. What's, what's the deal? It feels like you're up to something. Between that and your aggressive buddy to start the show with Graham, <laughs> I, I, feel, I feel like we're off to an aggressive start. Yeah. I've got to be nice to Italian things occasionally, Taylor. And Gigi Buffon, you know, cool dude. I can respect him. That's all I got. All right, let's go to... Cool dude, I can respect him, Ryan Bailey. All right, that's on the post. Group F concluded today, Taylor, with uh, Jamaica triumphing over Brazil with a nil-nil victory. Uh, The reggae girls making history here. They're through to the groups for the first time in their history. Bear in mind, Jamaica have been chronically underfunded historically. They had to raise their own funds to get to this tournament as well. They have presented Brazil from progressing to the knockout mm-hmm. rounds for the first time in 28 years, Taylor. Incredible scenes at full time here. It really was. And uh, I have no connection to Jamaica, and yet it was still difficult to not get emotional at the end when you saw all the players on the pitch. You saw Bunny Shaw sort of breaking down. And this is a Jamaica team that have not yet conceded in this tournament and have only scored the one goal. Uh, but to get goalless draws against France and Brazil is is definitely more than I was expecting from them in this tournament. For them to advance is incredible. And the first Caribbean nation, um, for them to do so, as you already talked about, with the lack of funding and the lack of support uh, and everything that's like had to happen for them to, to get to this tournament and be at this tournament and to function at this tournament it's an incredible achievement and i think it's also an an incredible achievement that uh, i asked joe for the xg before we started recording it was what 1.6 for brazil 0.22 for jamaica is that what you said joe yeah right right in there yeah but i still i never felt like this was jamaica fully holding on in this game brazil had opportunities some of them better than others but for the large part it was a ton of crosses it was 29 or 30 crosses only five of which found their target so 17 percent accuracy on crosses from brazil and i went back and watched that that really beautiful goal they scored against panama or it showed up in the in a highlight reel um and and it was just so night and day how quick the passing was how fluid the movement was how good the off the ball movement was and in this game it felt like they just had runners sort of in attacking position waiting for the ball to come in i think the jamaican defenders did an excellent job seeing this out uh, a lot of credit to jamaica's defense and then a lot of credit to bunny shaw basically for the second half just running by herself up top and trying to make something happen occasionally Seeding, but for the most part, just doing a lot of thankless work to alleviate some of the pressure. Jamaica able to hold on. It's a pretty amazing story. It was a pretty great moment. Yeah, and they're going to be a difficult opponent for, I was going to say, whoever they face. We will know who they face after tomorrow, right? Are they getting it's Colombia or eight? Germany, Graham. Yes, That's right, Colombia or Germany, depending on what happens tomorrow in that final group. Um, their defensive record is quite incredible, given they've kept three clean sheets against in, in a group with France and Brazil, um, it's it's kind of ridiculous, um, and obviously um, that is very impressive. But the, the fortunes of the of the two teams here, I think, highlight how brutal World Cup football yeah. can be. So Agreed. Jamaica have scored. You mentioned it there, Taylor. I'm not trying to take away anything from Jamaica. It's an incredible story. Let's not forget that as recently as 2017, they didn't even have a national team. It was disbanded by the Jamaican Federation, who, by the way, I hope are embarrassed 
at how successful this team has been without Guaranteed any... they won't be. Guaranteed they'll take credit. Yeah. They better not put out a tweet <laughs> claiming credit because we're going to shoot that thing down, Graham. <laughs> yes, yeah, we, we will on this show. Uh, <laughs> I hope they're embarrassed. I hope that would be a natural reaction for a human with empathy to feel after this. <laughs> um, this Jamaican team has succeeded in spite of their own federation. So I'm not trying to be a killjoy or take away anything from Jamaica's performances, but they've scored just one goal at this tournament and have gone through... Brazil lost one game to France in a narrow match, and you could argue that their entire tournament came down to one lapse in concentration, letting Wendy Renard free at the back post because they were very competitive in that game against France, and they're out of the tournament. That is absolutely brutal. And and Brazil did not play a good match today. Their task was to break down a Jamaica team um, they had a big talent advantage on, and they weren't able to do it. So in that sense, they deserve to be going home. But man, I still think it's a brutal outcome for Brazil. Yeah, th- this is, Graham, that's very, very well said. This is awesome for Jamaica, and, and I want to do one more beat on them at least before we move this game. But for Brazil, you, you really have to feel for them. Like, this is an example of soccer being so cruel. It was very cruel to Brazil today. It was it was wonderful to Jamaica. But the, the balance of this game all went one way. It was all no. Brazil in the final third against Jamaica. I believe Jamaica had 27% possession in this game against Brazil's, oh, well, that'd be then 73%. Jamaica had three shots. Brazil created basically all of the chances in this game. And even though they didn't get a sequence that was capped off with with a wonderful bit of play and the goal, like they did for their, their third against Panama, Taylor, I think if you go back through and even watch the highlights, and maybe you've already done this, I, I think you do see some of that beautiful soccer in the final third, right? You are seeing some little intricate combinations, some scoops into the box, players kind of reading each other. There were chances, like they were real chances for yeah. Brazil in this game. They just, they couldn't put them away. And, and I suppose you can argue that if you don't do that, then you don't deserve to go through. That That's reasonable. But man, Brazil were a little bit unfortunate here. I do want to back up and say, I'm still like kind of mixed on Brazil. And I think there are lots of things that, that they could have done better in this game to make the margin between themselves and Jamaica wider. Like and, and we should give Jamaica some credit. Score goals. Yeah, that would that would do a good job. We should give Jamaica some credit. Like their defensive structure was super sound in a lot of ways. Like the way they set up in their 4-4-2 mid-block, they had Shaw and, and Atlanta Primas kind of marking uh, Brazil's double pivot out of the game at times, or at least using their their body positioning to block off angles into those players. And so Jamaica didn't make it easy for Brazil. Brazil have just so much talent in the final third, so much quality in their attack in that 4-2-2-2 yeah. that it's hard to fully shut them out. Jamaica couldn't fully shut them out, at least when it comes to chances, but they did when it came to the scoreline. This is one of those situations. So we say things can be two things. After this match, I, I feel like things can be a hundred different things where... A lot of Jamaica's defensive structure was good, but there were also some lapses in that structure. Some of Brazilian uh, Brazil's possession play was good. There were also lapses in their execution, and Jamaica were inviting them all. They were inviting Brazilian onto them every time that they had the the ball in the opposition half. And while they did do a good job of of making clearances and blocks and interventions, that there were some holes at times in their in their defensive line. I thought. Alison uh, Swabby, is that how you say that? Swabby, Swabby, in particular, looked a little bit vulnerable. She was stepping out at bad times. And I honestly got the sense that if Brazil just kind of ran at her a few more times, she might have crumbled in this match. She seemed she seemed to be playing a bit on the, ed- on the edge. And, and I know, again, I'm contradicting myself a little bit here because, yes, Jamaica's defensive play was generally good. 
Um, but they also had a tendency at times to push a little bit too high and get drawn into contact too early. So there were a few occasions when Brazil were able to skip through a tackle or two, but then their attacking execution was underwhelming. There was a perfect example of this when Brazil were able to get into the wide areas in, in the second half down the left side with Dubinha, and it felt like they were finally in behind this Jamaican defence, and then Dubinha just plays the cross straight into the Is goalkeeper's that, gloves. Yeah. Is that the Travella attempt? Yes, with the yeah. outside of the boot. When she yeah. has two runners making runs to the near post and the execution, execution is just lacking in that moment. And there were, there were a number of moments from Brazil like that. So, as I say, things can be two things. Things can be a hundred different things. It was a bit of a, a, a difficult game to get a read on, but Jamaica get the result they needed. So fair play to them. It was difficult. Taylor, we've seen Christine St. Clair go out in the group stage already and um, be a little upset by that, quite understandably. Now Marta is going out at this stage and... Perhaps, or she's 37, so maybe this will be her final time on this stage as well. Bit of a shame, right? It is. Formiga was what, like 40, 41, 42 uh, in the last World Cup? So you never know. Marta could mm. still be around, but it does That's feel like... That's a single like... buffon year, to be fair. <laughs> exactly. <That's true>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it feels unlikely that Marta will be back, especially given that in this tournament she's on the bench for the first two games. She starts this one, but I think... Uh, for for people who wanted, if it wasn't going to be Brazil getting through, then I think the narrative would have been great if it were Marta scoring or setting up the winning goal or whatever it may have been. And instead, she's on the bench as this game ends. I didn't think she had a, a very good game. Uh, not a bad game, but I don't think obviously she did enough. It was cool to see her and Bunny Shaw at the end. It felt yeah, that was not cool. like a literal passing of the torch, but a figurative passing of the torch, uh, so to speak. Uh, but still, for, for Marta to be out, for Dabinia to be out, it's, a, it's one of the strange conundrums of... It's exciting that Jamaica have gone through. It's an amazing story. It's credit to them for everything they've overcome. Simultaneously, to not have Brazil there knowing the way they can play, how they can attack, how electrifying they can be, it does feel like we're we're missing out on stars in the knockout round, but that's the way it goes. That's how it is at the World Cup. When you got knockout competitions, uh, things take turns. Yeah, Marta's just such a, a positive influence, mm-hmm. even in a difficult moment like this for her. You mentioned, Taylor, the, the Bunny Shaw moment where she's clearly being very positive and, and, and praising her. And I just think Marta, she always speaks so well. Um, and there are some former legends who speak as if the next generation is a threat to them. I don't know if any American fans can think of someone mm. uh, like that. But Marta <laughs> always speaks as someone trying to empower the next generation. I just think she's such an, uh, an incredible ambassador for the women's game. And even when she has a little bit of a moan, like she famously did after the 2019 World Cup when Brazil didn't do as well as, as they'd hoped in that tournament. And basically her it was a call to action for the next generation to step up. The, the way that she does it still feels like empowering those players rather than beating them down so yeah she has a loss to this tournament but I anticipate she'll still be a big influence on Brazilian football Joe uh, if memory serves you previewed Jamaica when we started out this whole festivity did you see a scenario where Jamaica go through ahead of Brazil and the manner in which they've done so as we mentioned with one goal um, how does that look for the knockouts in ter- for, for a neutrals perspective Yeah, I did not envision this reality that we're currently living in. And I'm really glad that we're in it anyway, right? There are some challenges in terms of, yeah, Jamaica don't play the the most aesthetically pleasing soccer for the neutral to get to the second part of that question there. But I mean, given everything that they've overcome, and we've kind of already mentioned this, but I want to read a tweet from Jeff Kasouf, who's at the World Cup right now, covering it for The Guardian and The Equalizer, does a lot of really, really good stuff. He tweeted, Jamaica just got out out of a group 
with France and Brazil in it by keeping three clean sheets, and they had to raise money through a GoFundMe campaign. I'll note there were two different GoFundMe campaigns to help fund their World Cup preparation. Like, imagine if these federations actually invested in women's teams. And I think Jamaica have put like a giant exclamation point on that entire mm-hmm. concept that continues to be a big theme throughout women's soccer on a regular basis, and it's always magnified in the echo chamber that is the World Cup that comes around every four years. Like This is a fantastic moment for them, and I am stoked to have been wrong about their chances. I thought they had very long odds to get out of this group. They probably did and needed a lot of things to go their way, but credit to them. They came in with a clear game plan in every single game. They have real game-changing talent in the attack in Bunny Shaw, who wasn't you know crazy impactful in terms of the scoreline in this game, obviously, but is a genuine threat every time she steps on the field. Uh, it is not impossible for Jamaica to continue this run, which is maybe the best part of everything that's happened here, is yes, they, they've made it out of the group stage, which is incredible, but we mentioned they'll face the winner of Group H, Germany or Colombia, Germany have already faltered at some point in this tournament and faltered ahead of it, even though I think they're still crazy talented and could still win this whole darn thing. And Colombia are a good team, but not without their weak points, right? They have incredible talent themselves, especially in the attack. But I mean, they're they're not flawless, right? So it is not crazy to think that Jamaica could continue this fairy tale kind of run. And for their sakes, I I really hope that they do. In Indeed. All right. Group F, uh, final standings. France with seven points. We'll get to their game shortly. Jamaica going through with five points. Brazil with four. Not going through. Uh, It's it's so harsh when some teams do go through with four points, but some don't. But hey, that's the way math works. And Panama without a point in this group. Taylor, any more on this game before we head off? Uh, Just that I hope Jamaica's practicing their penalties. So when we get 90 minutes, then 30 minutes, then penalties, they're ready to go. Eboy, indeed. Yeah, and oh. Lauren Donaldson should practice his cartwheels. Um, he said <laughs> that he was going to celebrate with a cartwheel if Jamaica went through. And again, I don't want to be the buzzkill, the killjoy, but what he did at full time, not a cartwheel. It was kind of like an improvised forward yeah. roll. So get practicing on that, Lauren. <laughs> All right, Graham, maybe you can give some tips. What do you think? No, I can't. <laughs> Consult the internet. <laughs> Excellent stuff. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about France's big win and, of course, the results from Group G back shortly. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Today's episode is brought to you by our old friends, Mac Weldon. Wouldn't it be nice if we could have things both ways, like a zero-calorie cheeseburger, internet ads in March that weren't just reminders to do your taxes, a dog that never needs walking after midnight when it's cold, a Manchester United that is consistently good instead of their current scattershot approach? Well, we tend to think of clothing as an either-or situation as well. People think looking sharp means starchy Oxfords and stiff chinos rather than effortless comfort. But it's possible to have it both ways. Mack Weldon makes timeless apparel with modern performance fabrics for guys who want to look and feel sharp without sacrificing comfort. From their light-as-air underwear to innovative anti-odor tees and versatile yet comfortable pants, Mack Weldon has a full range of clothes that never go out of style. I got a few things recently, including a long-sleeve polo, which I love, uh, maybe the most comfortable t-shirt, which I also love, and my new favorite sweatpants, the Ace sweatpant. It's exactly what I described above, comfort and versatile, but still stylish. It's the type of sweatpant I can wear to pick up my kids from daycare and not think... 
I'm now wearing sweatpants in public. The other parents will judge me. Now I just think, judge away, nerds, because you will never be this comfortable unless you're also wearing a pair, in which case, high five. Mack Weldon is not flashy. It's just classic, always in style, and made from the world's most comfortable performance materials. They're designed to fit both your style and the demands of modern life. So get timeless looks with modern comfort from Mack Weldon. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off your first order with promo code TSS. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com, promo code TSS to get 20% off your first order. Thank you to Mack Weldon for sponsoring today's episode. Total Soccer Show Women's World Cup Daily. Elsewhere in Group H, France topping the group with a 6-3 win over Panama. A comeback win, right. no less. And after a, yeah, an unreal free kick in the second minute of this game. Absolute worldy of a free kick. If you haven't seen it, listener, go check it out. Eight more goals followed after that goal. Uh, uh, Joe, we saw France manager Irvinard afterwards um, didn't seem entirely happy with the run of play in this one. He asked his team not to take anything for granted. He said, we were 5-1 up with the game in the bag. You often see this in football. It was a poor attitude from the girls for a few minutes. I think he's a bit worried that um, things weren't quite as tight as they could have been in this one. Yeah, and I mean, Irvinard, if we know anything about him, he wants he wants everything around him to be tight, uh, especially his shirts. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, you lobbed that one up, had to finish nice. it off for you. Nice. Um, France, that, that's like classic coach speak, right? Is is when you win big and you still give up goals. I think there's something that you sign when you decide to become a coach that you have to kind of still complain about it. And, and fair enough, right? France were not perfect in this game. They gave up a few more shots, certainly, than they would have liked to. And the fact that they go down 1-0, I'm sure was not something that they really expected in this match. Panama, you know, they have some quality, clearly, as they showed in this game, but they're not an especially good team. I think they're clearly one of the weaker teams in this competition. So I can understand Irvinard's some of his reservations about this game. But man, honestly, everything that France did for me in this match takes a backseat to how incredible of a goal that finish was from Marta Cox. I I cannot believe that every time somehow I watch this goal, it gets better. So I want to set the scene. It's the second minute of the game, Ryan. You said that already. The ball is 34 yards from goal. That's my rough estimate, but it looks right about 34 yards from goal. And it's weirdly central. Like it's not all the way on one side that allows you to fully curve it and bang it into the top corner. It's, it's like a little off to the left from center. And yet Cox still gets enough power and enough placement on this finish that she puts it upper 90 on the left, the goalkeeper's right, and places it in the corner exactly where the goalkeeper can't get to it. And even if she could get to it, it was probably going a little too fast. This is like the perfect free kick. Every time you watch it, it gets better. Every angle you see, somehow that one is better than the last. What a moment from Panama. Like, I I don't know if they're interested in moral victories or not. I would imagine that they're still very disappointed about how this tournament has gone, just as Irvinard, you know, wants to see his team continue to live up to their expectations. Panama probably don't feel that they got that. But man, what a goal. And if you're talking about memorable World Cup moments, scoring your first goal at a World Cup like that, it, it really doesn't get much better. The XG on that shot was 0.041, <laughs> which kind of tells you uh, how ridiculous it was. Yeah, I mean, is that goal of the tournament? I guess it kind of has to be. There's been some, there has been some belters at this competition so far. Yeah, yeah. a lot of contenders, a lot of uh, good goals. Uh, my favourite thing about this podcast so far is that Joe estimated 34 yards out. He didn't go 35. No. It's 34. A rough estimate. I don't, think, I don't think it's 35, guys. I'll be honest. I think it's 34. <laughs> well, because the grass is in those six-yard strips, right? Like you get the six-yard strip to get to the six-yard box, then the, right. then the penalty spot, then the 18. So I, I'm trying to let the people know I think it was 34, not 35. <sighs> 
Love you, Joe. Never change. Awesome <laughs> stuff there. Uh, Panama <laughs> crashing out, as I say, with zero points in this They still one. had a great time in this match, though. Oh, yeah. I did enjoy, like, did they, when they scored that third goal in a 6-3 defeat, the whole team is sprinting onto the pitch like they've won the, the World Cup. And I don't begrudge yeah. them at all. Like, enjoy yourself while you're yeah. while you're at it. It was, it was a fun match. A very vibesy match. I don't know how much I'm reading into... France's performance, they do make changes. Uh, Wendy Renard is rested. Eugenie Le Sommer is rested as well, which was uh, <laughs> was great for my VSP for this match. Thanks for that, Herr Renard. I've changed my mind. I hate his white shirts. I hope he spills ketchup all the way down them in the next match. But yeah, vibesy from France. Good depth, though. Like the players that they brought in, Ligarek and, and, and Matteo, and who were the other ones? Salma Basha on the left side, um, all played very well. So... There wasn't much structure to France's play, as I say, vibesy. I've used that word a couple of times now, but still relatively impressive. Indeed. All right, France will face the runners-up of Group H as we establish it's Germany or Colombia. We shall find out on Thursday. Uh, But in the meantime, why don't we head over to Group G, where we had uh, some drama from South Africa with a 3-2 win over Italy. South Africa booking their first World Cup win today and a berth in the round of 16, as I mentioned, in dramatic fashion. A 93rd-minute winner from uh, Temba Catania. Catania, excuse me. Um, This was very much a shootout Taylor for the uh, the space the second spot in Group G it changed hands several times during this game uh, there was disallowed goals there was South Africa not protecting their lead and a triumph in the end there was uh, there was if you're going the shootout route uh, you could also say a self shootout because Benedetta Orsi with maybe the worst own goal I've seen in a very long time wow uh, for people who have not seen it she comes under I would say very very mild pressure from uh, Katlana the South Africa striker she does not check behind her and hits a I'm gonna say 34 and a half yard back pass there we go Joe what's <laughs> there up now yeah. um, well uh, it was a great finish d- it was a great finish to the near post uh and then (laughs) credit to her teammates for not immediately just screaming at her they all it's like a two mississippi pause of them all just looking at her and then they all try to pick her up but uh but uh in our kitchen where i was watching this uh my wife made an audible noise and walked out of the room and could not come back in because she was so uncomfortable about that one so if you're having a bad day just know that you did not score a horrific own goal uh in front of a global audience so uh, some commiserations to Benedetta Orsi for that one, uh, but not really commiserations to Italy because I feel like they did not help themselves. I, I think that especially on the defensive side, they just lost track and they didn't do what they needed to do, starting with the own goal. But then also uh, for the for the winner, it's basically just kind of ball watching. It's a thing that kept happening throughout the second half of they would be marked up. So if you can imagine, like, uh, let's say it's. Uh, South Africa's left side, Italy's right. Um, they would be in a, a 2v2 situation. And then when South Africa would just do, complete a couple short passes, inevitably both Italian defenders would go towards the player with the ball. And then it, they would get split. There'd be a pass in behind. And this happened like four times in quick succession. And it was, and it just felt to me like Italy were sort of so focused on the individual and on making something happen that they weren't really focused on playing any sort of coherent defensive system or unified defensive system. And they were punished for it. And then it's, it's slow to react for the winner. It's, a, a great run uh, from Ma- Magia, I think is how you uh, say it. I apologize. Um, but she she has a goal in this game, and then she has the assist. But she's the one who plays the ball down the channel uh, to start the move for the winner uh, and then uh, makes the sort of trailing run, gets the ball played in behind in a similar sort of pass that splits two defenders, uh, Hilda Magia. And then she has 
she had scored earlier from this exact spot with her left foot. And so I think the Italian defense all thinks she's going to shoot. And instead, she squares it to Katlana, who, who finishes well. South Africa get the win, and it's a pretty amazing moment for them. Uh, but I think in as good as South Africa were, I felt like Italy were pretty poor as well. Yeah. Those two players that you highlighted there, Taylor uh, mm-hmm. Magawa and, and Katlana, they were the difference makers from for, for, for South Africa. Again, I don't want to pour cold water on what is an excellent story, and it is another excellent excellent story. South Africa um, won AFCON last year. Great to see them backing it up at the World Cup, and this is the sort of thing that will give them something significant to build on. Another case of maybe a federation not funding their programme, as they should. Not an, an extreme example as Jamaica, but nonetheless, that's still true of South Africa. And South Africa also want to host the, the next Women's World Cup in 2027, so there's that context as well I didn't think this was a while it was undeniably exciting particularly in the last 10 minutes I didn't think it was a particularly high quality match I just felt like there was very little rhythm in the game neither team was able to take control of things and I don't know if that is different if Jani plays for South Africa in central midfield she was she was missing for this match but those two players that you highlight there Taylor Katlana Magawa were the were the exceptions the the way they were they were combining particularly Katlana who's been one of Mm. the stars of this tournament she just has such excellent technical qualities very rarely doesn't do anything productive when she has the ball her first touch is always on point and then she also has the physical attributes to stay energetic for wheels. the full, full 90 minutes yeah, man. yeah she has got wheels and she's also got excellent positional awareness which we saw from the winning goal where she stays central doesn't get drawn to the ball allows Magawa to break into the box that in itself I felt was the difference between the two teams because that sort of combination play interchange play was very very rare from Italy yeah I I think this game to to take us down the U.S. path for just a moment which is how I'm viewing a lot of these games that have any relevance to the United States. I think this game in general, this group, uh, thinking specifically, though, about South Africa advancing, is like just the latest reason to be kind of bummed out about the U.S. Not to take little away from South Africa as I can in this conversation. If the U.S. top their group, they're playing South Africa and not Sweden in the round of 16. Regardless of who you're going to face at that point, I I think that is... So clearly a big miss for this U.S. team. South Africa are vulnerable. They get a little bit fortunate in this game. Sure, there are some good moments as well. Katlana is is a dangerous attacker, if not a, a totally consistent one uh, across a broad series of games. And, and I've watched a lot of her in the NWSL with Racing Louisville. But, I mean, like the difference between this team and even a rotated Sweden side that took on Argentina... it's just so obvious to me how much harder the U.S.'s round of 16 path is um, than it probably needed to be, uh, and than it would have been if they were taking on South Africa. Again, apologies for sort of disrespecting South Africa. Yeah, that's a good point, Joe. South Africa will, of course, be taking on the Netherlands in the round of 16. Uh, Teddy Katlana, very impressive striker. Apologies for butchering her name a little earlier on, but very impressive, very technical, very physical, very, very impressive on that front. But to go back to Italy... Who, who, you know, a draw would have been enough for this team to get through this one. This is a team who I previewed and, you know, the, the talk was of, you know, progressive, ball on the floor, high pressing, all that good, attractive stuff, which kind of, that plan very much fell apart as this game progressed, yeah. it seemed. And it's a team with Yulia Dragoni, a 16-year-old, uh, in sort of the attacking midfield position. Um, and it's a team that's clearly in transition. Some of the oldest, elder states people of this team left out of the squad altogether. It seems like when you've got a team, when you're leaving out big names and you've got 16-year-olds starting, it's 
it's not the finished project, Taylor, I think it's fair to say. No, no. And I think even there, you're going to have some some drama now because uh, Orsi, who scores this own goal, I think she's 22 years old. Uh, and she is starting and in this squad, not necessarily at the expense of uh, of Saragama, but Saragama, the veteran center back uh, of Juve fame, is not in this team. And, and I would guess if there were going to be any coverage of this team in Italy, they would focus on that uh, omission. But as I understand it, there is no coverage of this team in Italy, another team that does not get a ton of funding or coverage uh, in their home country. So maybe there won't be a huge amount of outcry. Uh, but uh, I think that's and I think that's probably for the best, because I think this was a, a, a difficult task uh, for Milena Bertolini uh, in terms of having these youngsters, but then having the older generation transitioning between the two. It's a thing we've seen uh, other larger programs, cough, cough, the United States uh, struggle to pull off. So I think for Italy, it's, it is still moving in the right direction, though this feels like an opportunity lost because I think the game was there not to be disrespectful to South Africa and what they've achieved. I just, I just think Italy time and time again, shot themselves in the foot starting with that own goal, but then just poor defending a lack of cohesive gameplay. And especially as the game goes on, it's two to two until very late, lest we forget and so many of the Italian attacks, I remember ending with just hands in the air, frustration, gesticulating at each other over why the player shot versus passed, why they passed when they should have shot. It didn't feel like there was the cohesiveness to the approach that you want when a team is chasing, when they're trying to get that winner. And I think, by contrast, South Africa kind of stuck with their game plan, backed their big players to make something happen. And that's exactly how that went down. Indeed, Taylor. As a two-year resident of Rome, uh, Italy getting in the way of its own success and progress is something I can certainly uh, relate to in areas outside of the There it field. is. Less there There's it was. The couldn't Italian resist. Shade. Couldn't resist. Graham, uh, South Africa facing Netherlands, as I mentioned. Any chance that the South African fairy tale continues into the quarterfinals? I mean, when you're talking about teams in the, the last 16, yeah, there is a chance. Of course, it's a one-off match. I would be surprised if the Netherlands aren't moving on into the quarterfinals as I say great story great achievement for South Africa but in terms of quality they've got some way to go to be one of the tier one or tier two teams in this competition I think that's completely fair all right that was South Africa three Italy two entertaining back and forth as it was let's take a quick break when we come back we've got Argentina uh, Argentina's game against Sweden and we've got a very specific predictions back shortly this episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Hey folks, this is Taylor from the Total Soccer Show reminding you that we are inching ever closer to the start of the summer transfer window, which means there are teams that will buy and sell their players early, there are teams that will leave that business very late, and there are teams that will operate in between. But no matter what, it's going to be a chaotic situation, there's going to be offers coming through willy-nilly, there's going to be transactions to be tracked and processed and make sure that enough money is there, there's going to be probably angry clubs calling to complain, there are many things to deal with, and unfortunately for those clubs, there is no sort of business tool that makes things easier, makes transactions simpler, gets the business done efficiently and effectively, but for the small businesses around the globe, there is such a service, Shopify. 
Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autographed apparel or selling sleek kits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. And I really appreciate that about Shopify. No matter how big you are, no matter how fast you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the United States, and Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. That's as many countries as will be selling players in the transfer window this summer. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash TSS, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash TSS now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash TSS. Total Soccer Show Women's World Cup Daily. We return with Argentina nil, Sweden 2. A perfect group stage from the Swedes. Nine points in this one. Rebecca Blomqvist with the header, which was followed up by Ellen Rubinson from the spot. A much-changed Sweden side, Graham, in this one. Um, but still pretty untroubled. Yeah, so I'm not entirely sure what to take away from this match because I felt I spent a lot of this match feeling like both teams were sort of going through the motions. That was fine for Sweden, of course, who finished top of Group G with nine points out of nine after this, and they were already through after thumping Italy in their last game. But for Argentina, who needed a result in this match to stand any chance of going through, it just added to my simmering frustration about this team that they didn't really (laughs) offer anything in an attacking sense. And that kind of dictated the match for for Sweden as well I thought in the first half they were they were pretty sloppy their passing was quite poor often they would they would rush things when they had a bit more time and it wasn't until the second half that they started to control the match now that maybe isn't too surprising as, as you mentioned there Ryan Sweden made a lot of changes they were disjointed and I think a big factor in that was they made nine changes for this match they basically swapped out their their entire outfield and this was a good opportunity for them to rest some players before that knockout round match against the US so I'm not sure how much I'm taking out of this Sweden performance I thought Sofia Jacobson was a threat on the on the right side of the Swedish attack she was effective at at playing in the tight spaces against the Argentina low block I thought uh, Yonoji was also reasonably impressive with her dribbling but then I don't think she'll dislodge Aslani from the first team for that game against the US. So I, su- I suspect we'll see all nine players come back into the Sweden team for Sunday because I think Gerhard Ger- Hardson, excuse me, will want uh, Kanyard back on the right side for the mobility that she offers even over someone like Jakobsen who had a good game here. But yeah, my main takeaway from this match was Argentina related and I am not sorry to see them going back home. Yeah, yeah, I think Argentina used up all of their international soccer success as a nation over the last eight, nine, ten months, whatever it's been. Argentina is certainly one of the the most disappointing or just underwhelming and, and 
bad teams in this competition. Yeah, forgettable. That's right. Where disappointing was wrong because Taylor, you never hyped them up for us. Like that wasn't a part of of your expectation for them in this tournament. So it was it was not great for Argentina all the way around in this competition, which is another thing that makes it hard to learn a lot about Sweden, right? Is they rotated everybody in the team, but their two center backs. So different goalkeeper, different fullbacks, different midfielders, different forwards, different wingers. Everybody was different. And so it's genuinely impossible to take much away about how this team will actually match up with the United States in the round of 16 on Sunday. What I will say is, I think there were little bits and pieces both on the tactical side. And then I I did some research on some of the the stats and and watched back little clips of Sweden from earlier in this tournament to try and give like a little mini Sweden primer now, because I felt like this would be a good time to do that. So I think about the goal, the first goal that they scored, it's Blomqvist header, it's the 66th minute, easy for me to say. Sweden are in possession. They break the lines. They bounce the ball out to the right. It's Sofia Jakobsen who then crosses it inside. That is like a pretty standard pattern for Sweden. They usually play out of this 4-2-3-1 or a 4-4-2. They were doing that in this game. It kind of depends on the positioning of that other central attacker underneath or kind of next to the nine. They'll tuck their wingers inside. They will push their fullbacks up, not all the time, but in specific moments. And they do rely on crosses. So far, according to FB Ref, they have the 10th most crosses per 90 minutes so far in this competition. So they cross more than most teams. We already know how dangerous they can be on set pieces. Italy found that out firsthand in that 5-0 drubbing that they suffered at the hands of Sweden. They love Sweden in swinging corners. They have the second most in swingers so far at this tournament. 7.67 per game. So they, they win corners and they take them literally all of them as in swingers. They have zero out swingers so far, according to FB Ref. So they like to cross. They really want to send balls into the box. That is their primary attacking method. They, they like also to drive the ball into the box on the dribble when they have attackers in the final third sort of spread out. They're married to, well, excuse me, they're not totally married to possession, but because of how weak this group has been, they've had a lot of it. I would expect it to be more back and forth against the United States and for the U.S. to have to deal with a lot of crosses and, and some attempted wide overloads for Sweden then to play the ball into the box to their nine or to their, their sort of second forward type player. And even with a bunch of rotated players in this lineup for Sweden, we saw a lot of those same sorts of trends that we'll see when the first choice players are back. All right. Wide overloads and midfield overloads and the like hasn't been an issue so far for the U.S. luckily, Joe. Uh, the U.S. <laughs> hasn't been doing anything in the attack, I guess. It's, I, I don't know. <laughs> Defensively, I feel like they've been, they've been fine. Okay. All right. Taylor, your thoughts on this one and, and, and the potential threat that Sweden poses coming up? Um, I yeah. Uh, starting with this game, I also will not be sad to see Argentina leave. I'll, I'll start there. Uh, it's another team that feels like they are caught in two minds, or maybe in a state of transition, because they, at, at times in the lead up to this World Cup, were focused on playing possession soccer, moving the ball, trying to build out of the back. But oftentimes that kind of stalled and led to slow possession around the back, and then eventually long balls. Where they did have joy was when they would high press, when they would really commit numbers forward and make their opponent uncomfortable. I don't feel like they did that nearly enough in this competition. And that was really the only way they were going to create opportunities was by forcing the ball, uh, like forcing turnovers basically higher up. So they're winning it into advantageous positions where then that possession can be more meaningful. So that in this game... They are, I, I felt like, more reactive, less uh, aggressive in their pressing and their defensive approach. I think that's a long way towards why they weren't able to get more here. But at the same time, Sweden also very good in this game, despite the nine changes. Uh, I think Joe has has done a very good job of running through their threats. 
I, I think set pieces is going to be a fascinating battle, uh, especially with Sweden on the attack. Uh, I keep thinking about Alyssa Nair coming off her line and just completely flapping at the yep. ball late in that game against Portugal. It's a concern. <laughs> and I, and this is a Sweden team that I think are going to, we, we saw it uh, again in this game. They're going to put five and six players in the six yard box. They're going to crowd the goalkeeper. I still don't fully understand what the rule is at this point on obstructing the goalkeeper and what's allowed and what isn't. It used to be that you're not allowed to like stand in front and move at all. That that seems to have changed, but I think that's going to be weird. Weirdly, corners will be a fascinating battle for me because I think also the U.S. will have some design set pieces. They've had some joy from corners, as Joe has talked about, or one specific moment of joy from corners. Uh, so I, I think that's going to be a pretty fascinating battle. I also think that they're likely going to be in a four-two-three-one means we're going to get a three versus three midfield battle, ideally for the United States. So I wonder, I do wonder if that limits the way Sweden want to play in terms of kind of possessing in the middle, then having that little ball wide uh, that then gets crossed back in. I think if we can, if you, if you guys can keep crystal Dunn from getting pulled inside and she's actually playing in the wide area on the defensive side of things that limits how effective that, that approach is going to be. So I think for the United States, keeping their shape and, controlling those zones goes a long way towards nullifying what Sweden wants to do. Jimmy Conrad did a, a good little video looking at the average positions of Sweden at this tournament and how they like to combine on that right side. And that was his point to there was Crystal Dunn is going to be put under quite a bit of pressure in this game. And Crystal Dunn maybe hasn't had a very Crystal Dunn tournament so far. Um, I don't think she's been particularly impressive you could say that about a lot of american players at this point but that will be that'll be a real test for her on that on that wing it will be indeed more on that game of course coming up later this week uh, group g finishes of course with sweden on nine points south africa on four italy on three graham's favorite argentina on one solitary point as graham shakes his head uh one thing left to do on this show and that is very specific predictions we've got the last set of group stage games coming up on thursday we've got morocco taking on colombia korea against germany graham would you like to kick off with your prediction yeah, so I'm going to head to the match between Morocco and Colombia, which will have obviously a huge bearing on how Group H finishes. My VSP is that Myra Ramirez will make over 20 in-behind movements in this match. So this is something you can find in the in-possession section of the FIFA uh, data reports. It's either page 44 or 45 you, every single... I love you so much. <laughs> See, the thing is, I get questioned. I get questioned on how I'm defining things. Citing your sources, citing your page numbers. So I'm, I'm you're a legend. I'm getting in, yeah, I'm getting in there preemptively. So it's in the FIFA data reports. It's in that section. Ramirez was a machine against Germany, getting in behind. She made 29 in behind movements in this in that match. But that was a that was a real kind of like freak performance. And also Germany play a very very high line, so lots of uh, space in behind. She was much much lower in in her first match. Um, below 20 I believe so it will be tougher against Morocco in a sense that they don't play that high line although there is still space for her to exploit so I've put the number at 20 I expect that Ramirez will be the battering ram once again for Colombia in that match all right excellent stuff Graham uh, I'm going to go ahead with my VSP which is from Korea versus Germany I'm going to do so with trepidation because it looks like I'm about to face a challenge <laughs> for my uh, VSP <laughs> which is that Alex Pop will have five or more shots uh, bold get him Taylor bold I'm, okay <laughs> Okay, six. Alex Pop will have six or more shots. I've slightly. I mean, she hasn't done that this tournament, right? She definitely hasn't had six shots in a game this tournament. 
She had four against Morocco. And then she had six in her last game. I'm had, not allowing this. She had six against Colombia. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, I think, I think, like, you're on, basically predicting that she's going to do what she's been doing in a game that Germany have to win, so she will definitely be playing. I call, I call chicanery. Seven shots. There Alex we Pop go. Will have seven there shots we or go. more. Push him again. He'll go to eight. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, I'm staying. I'm sticking to seven. She had six against Colombia. She had four against Morocco. Korea faced five shots yeah. from Catalina Uzme of Colombia. Korea faced two shots from uh, Ibtisim uh, Girardi uh, of Morocco. So my logic there is that, as you say, Taylor, Germany are going for the win. They need the six points to finish. So decent opportunities to pop. Good work. To pop there off. we go. That you like, made uh, me sweat, Taylor. Congratulations. Seven or more shots. That, right. that was like watching my United negotiate a transfer fee. <laughs> <laughs> 20 bucks. 400 million bucks. Uh, yeah. R- Ryan, not a criticism. How many of your predictions for Germany have been around Alex Pop? Is this your second or your third? Second. Okay, nice. I mean, I, I, I think, you know. B- he does it for the puns. <laughs> is that all it's it true. is? <laughs> Mostly. I wanted to pop off. There it is. There it is. No, I mean, I think, and I think you, you are. There's a good chance you get that seven because I think Germany will be going for the win, but I think they will also be unrelenting in how they go for that win. And Korea have been very relenting in this tournament, so I think that's a, a solid one. Uh, my specific prediction, now that I've I've forced Ryan to go high, uh, is that Morocco <laughs> will concede a penalty uh, in their game versus Colombia. Uh, they will not play a high line, as Graham already said, but I think they will still be overly physical uh, especially when it comes to how they try to handle Myra Ramirez Uh, I went back and watched good chunks of that uh, their game against Korea their win over Korea in hopes that I would spot something because I hyped Morocco pretty hard in my preview I was hoping I would spot something they're like ah they figured it out they've unlocked it they made some changes in that game I'm assuming they'll make some changes in this one but ultimately I think they're going to be uh, pretty physical. I think this is not going to be the prettiest game for Morocco, but I think they're going to be fighting as much as they can to make something happen. But I think that will start with them being very, very defensive. I think with uh, Linda Caicedo uh, likely playing in this game and being pretty tricky, pretty, pretty clever with her feet, I could see her drawing a foul. I could see Myra Ramirez just eventually there being an accumulation of incidents that leads to her being pulled down or Morocco attempting to pull down. I could see like a Moroccan defender fully going piggyback style and just riding my Ramirez's back uh, in hopes that they bring her down. And I'm not sure even then they'll be able to, but I think Morocco will concede a penalty in this game. Have they conceded any other penalties, Taylor? Just asking. I genuinely can't remember because they was it one con- against Germany in the six. They nil? conceded so many goals against Germany <laughs> that I, I don't know for sure. I just wanted to try and push you to two penalties. That's all, but I'm not going to do that because um, I feel bullied. Uh, Joe, <laughs> your VSP. Hey man, it's tough to predict that water is going to be wet. All right, I, I mean you've gone out on a limb, right? And I, I credit all you for right it. for point I'm, taken, Joseph. I'm really looking forward to Pop having like three shots and oh, you and Taylor be both being wrong. I think that's going to be super fun. I'm really excited for her to have six, Joe. That's what I'm most excited for. <laughs> Uh, as someone who has also been bullied on the VSP front, Ryan, welcome. Uh, also, I gave you no sympathy or backup because you did not give me any. So here we go. Ah, uh, my prediction is touche. for Korea. Yeah, I, I thought you'd like that. It's for Korea. I, I'm saying that they will have a 58% passing accuracy number or lower in this final group stage game. They had 59% against Colombia and they had 76% against Morocco. I think we will see the lowest passing accuracy total that we've seen from them at this tournament so far. Taylor and I were talking briefly about this, mostly Taylor saying that they're not super great. And that's been very true watching this team throughout the World Cup so far. 58 for context is like a crazy low number that it's it's hard to hit the 50s in passing accuracy. It's probably harder 
to do that than it is to get higher. Like we're talking Philadelphia Union, New York Red Bulls clash in Major League Soccer, low level passing accuracy numbers. Um, but that's what I'm banking on for Korea Argentina had 61 percent against right. Sweden. There's the context for you all. So there yep. you go. 58 is a ridiculously low number. Joe, if you had to guess how many, what will Korea's uh, completion percentage be on long balls? Because I'm going to guess they're going to hit a lot of uh, like vertical clearances in hopes that they can alleviate some pressure. Like 18 percent, something like that. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's hitting long balls, especially against Germany, who will have Oberdorf cleaning up everything in midfield. Yeah. They have some strength in the back, even despite injuries that it's just hard to do that, man. It's hard no matter what, but it, it's going to be an uphill battle for Korea in this game. Oh, I was looking at the wrong number. Uh, yeah, they had 36 percent against Colombia. They had 24 accurate long balls, but I think a lot of those were just clearances. Yeah. So I think a low number there and a low passing number seems pretty likely. All right, Joe, uh, backing the German dominance in that one. Thank you very much. And thank you to all three of you for being my best buds and for hanging out on Women's World Cup Daily once again. Taylor Rockwell, pleasure as always. Pleasure was mine, my friend. My best bud. Yeah, Joe Larry. <laughs> but a nice throwback there, Taylor. Buddy. Uh, Ryan, this was fun. You did say at some point something about like going back to Italy. I think you said the words going back to Italy. And I was a little concerned about you in that moment. I thought maybe you were having some sort of inner trauma, but you seem to be okay. Uh, I, mm. I hope things continue that way. I shall never stop, but I will never go back to that country again. Joe, great pleasure to have you on the show. <laughs> Thank you, Buddy Bailey. <laughs> Listener, thank you the most for joining us. We appreciate you. We'll be back on Women's World Cup Daily with the wrap-up of the group stage tomorrow. But for now, bye! Bye!